Hello and welcome to the Mike Dominic Show. Today is the 7th of May. I have an interesting interview today with a developer who's created an open source project to bridge Windows Store style .NET applications with Node. Node is not really my area. In fact, you may have heard me be pretty critical of it in years past, but we won't dig into that. Um, his name is Rui and I'm going to butcher his last name. I butcher it when we start the interview. Higardo, it's Portuguese. I just, you know, from New Jersey, it's just not a language I, uh, I particularly understand, but there'll be links to all this stuff in the show notes. Great stuff. We have an interesting conversation about his project, kind of how he got it working, and actually a little bit about AI. He uh, used to do some AI work. So kind of a lesser known project, but I think this is good at getting this kind of thing out there. I also want to add that um, we are still, as of the date of this recording, don't know when it comes out, accepting entries into the, uh, the Earth Day competition for students in the U.S., we stopped accepting them uh, the last day of May. So I guess it's May 30th, I believe. And we're going to announce a winner the first week in June. The qualifications are all going to be in the show notes. Basically, you have to be a U.S. high school or middle school student. And yeah, do something, you know, Fossey with an ear, with an eye towards not an ear. Could be an ear, I guess. Towards climate change, global warming, that kind of thing. As always, the show is brought to you by my consulting company, The Mad Butter Inc., if you are in need of any kind of development, particularly any kind of Python or IoT development or web development, let us know. And yeah, uh, find me at Dumanuku on Twitter, and I'm not going to waste any more time. Here's Rui. Have a great day, guys. Good afternoon, Rui. How are you? I'm very good, Michael. Or should I say good evening in Portugal? Well, it's actually, uh, it's over 9.30 here, so yes, it's good. Oh, good night. Okay. Good night, yeah. So this is Rui. I'm going to butcher your name, but Rui Figaro. Give, give it to me right. Perfect. It's beautiful. Now, you have one of the more interesting open source projects that, frankly, I don't think is getting enough attention, Electron CGI. Can you tell me a little about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the idea was to enable people to write cross-platform uh, GUIs using mainly .NET, but also for the UI part using Electron. Okay, so this is a Electron-based framework but where the business logic would be in C-sharp, is that fair? That is correct, yes. So what is the potential use case for this? I guess who is this for is a better way to ask that question. Someone that has uh, .NET code that they want to use in a GUI app uh, and um, that they want to use it in um, several OSs, like in Linux, Mac, and Windows. I see. So we're, we are porting basically .NET code over to Linux and Mac OS. Exactly. Now, if you have a, let's say, XAML front end, you need to port that to HTML for HTML and JavaScript via Electron? Yes, you do You do have to do that. So the idea and like the, the, the original goal was to be able to run .NET from Node. And that's what enables actually writing the GUI in Electron um, and then having the, all the business logic in, in .NET. The main thing is that you can, from Node and consequently inside Electron, you can execute .NET code. And you can have all, all your logic or non-UI logic running on the .NET app and have all your UI code written in HTML, etc., and have that being served through Electron. So is your .NET code actually being executed in the Electron, for lack of a better word, container? No, actually what happens is the, there's a process that is spawned 
from oh, a node and then a, a communication channel is created. Um, and the, the original thing about Electron CGI is how that communication gets itself established. So what happens is the .NET process is spawned in node and it uses a module called child process. But actually the function that is used is called spawn. And what spawn gives you is a handler to the process uh, which allows you to access its standard input and output streams. So with those, you actually can create a two-way communication channel. You can send a, a request to uh, .NET and you can get a, a response to that request in Node. And you can also send a request from .NET to Node through its through, through Node, uh, .NET's standard output stream and get a response through uh, .NET's standard input stream. Okay, so you've actually achieved two-way communications between .NET and Node? Exactly, yeah. Well, that's amazing. So, I mean, just from a, you know, I'm a, you know, I should give a little background, right? So you are a, a computer science PhD and mm -hmm. were you, you did something with AI in the past or did I read scurious things on you? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, so my PhD was around AI specifically around an area called interactive storytelling, which is, which studies ways in which you can create interactive stories, but that are not scripted. So the goal is to, to actually be able to create a story where the user can do kind of whatever he wants and the, everyone reacts in like a meaningful way. Ideally, it's the main area where it's useful or the, where it's useful for its education. So uh, forgive my pedestrian kind of uh, attempt to boil mm -hmm. this down here. When we say interactive storytelling, mm -hmm. we mean that the AI would be able to figure out how to produce a cogent story going forward mm -hmm. without it just being a, basically an, you know, a, uh, a logic tree. Exactly, yeah. So not scripted. The idea is that, uh, like, for example, the characters, they can do some planning. Uh, they have their own goals. And usually there's like an, an entity that usually is called the story facilitator that is also, it has also its own goals, like usually educational goals. And he can nudge things around so that like everything goes in a direction that makes sense and achieves some educational goal or some other kind of entertainment goal. Ah, I see. So the entity is actively pushing the narrative for, again, lack of a better term, uh, towards the goal of teaching whatever the curriculum is. I, so exactly. can you give a little context of where that was used? Or if, it's, if you can't talk about it, that's perfectly fine. Well, in my case, I worked on a few EU projects where um, the goal was to teach children coping strategy for uh, in bullying situations. So it wasn't a game, it was more like a, an, an application, but it looked like a game where the children aged, I guess, from seven to nine, uh, pretty young, uh, they could, they could um, actually type text to a virtual character and they that way they, they could influence what would happen and um, they could see scenes unfolding and then they could give advice and like in the end the idea was that they would learn coping strategies and the whole idea in this project was to study if this approach was effective and teaching those that's incredible uh that 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 really is impressive so if you don't mind what were the technologies used in that project so the characters were, um, at the time, the, um, 
the planning system you use a partial order planner and that was developed in Java. The uh, story facilitator agent was developed in .NET and the this was a long time ago. The uh, UI was a completely uh, custom Windows form application and the graphics engine, I think it was Ogre 3D. This was more than, it was like 10 years ago. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's always great to hear about a real world use for some of these new technologies, particularly AI, which, you know, gets a lot of hype, a lot of, uh, let's just say a lot of hot air and not a lot of meat there, right? Well, but in this case, yeah, go ahead. So I was saying, like, what we studied at the time was it was different from the AI that is now um, in vogue, I would say. So the, most of us studied more classical AI in terms of we did the things with planning and uh, search. So, like, examples of search are, like, for example, the A-star algorithm that is used um, in games to find bots. So that's like the, it's that area, I think people refer to it as symbolic manipulation. And then there's like machine learning of today, which is more statistics. And um, that at the time, people weren't paying too much attention to it. There was some, I guess, uh, that I've experienced some excitement around reinforcement learning at the time, but I don't remember anyone paying too much attention to, to um, um, what is, I forget the name now. So neural networks, yeah, neural networks. Oh, okay. paying too much attention to those. And now, I don't know if it's because now it's easier to get so much more bigger amounts of data and we have ways of treating it that that topic became super uh, important. But like 10 years ago, I don't remember seeing too many people excited about working with neural networks. Might have just been my perception, but uh, that was the case, at least the, the way I saw it at the time. That makes a ton of sense. Do you have any, and you, you can feel free to decline this question, do you have any general thoughts on kind of the, uh, let's just say, more commercialized implementations of AI that are around? Well, do you have something in mind? Uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I would say some of the, I'm sure you've seen them, right? The, the Slack bots that are like, this is AI powered or... Oh, um, okay. Yeah, some of the I'm sure the, the Facebook bots, things like that. Because I'll give you my mm -hmm. cynical worldview to give you some cloud cover here. I feel like a big if tree is just not AI. Uh, yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And many of these bots, and I have done custom bots for people for my consulting company. Mm -hmm. They are intelligent, right? Like you can have lots of cases that you cover, but they are in fact not really AI. They're I would say sophisticated logic trees. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And like the AI became a way to uh, companies get, I guess, like blockchain was and like big data before it. And yeah, it, it's a buzzword. Um, hey man, we're recording this on the blockchain right now. As long as I can get that cash, baby, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have to tell you, I saw your blog post from the 9th of April okay. uh, and you mentioned my old show, Quota Radio. And that's my, true. Yeah. yeah. Let's just say my negative view of Q, uh, QT, which I was corrected after that show, is actually called Q. Mm -hmm. So was that really part of why you made uh, Electron CGI? Because Q was just too cumbersome and expensive? 
the reason why I did it was just because of that show, because I was listening to it and the idea came to me while listening to it. So because your goal was to, or you had an is issue, uh, you needed to bring some DLL or some assembly. And yes. that was really yes, exactly. yeah, difficult. And the uh, remember, the thing you needed to do was a, a business app. So the requirements there in terms of like, there are much more lax in terms of memory usage. And, and obviously, Electron CGI is, even though it's a library that allows you to run .NET code from Node, the main goal was to actually enable GUI apps through Electron. And Electron is very memory heavy, or uh, at least like people say that. Mainly, I think because Slack. But um, like, even though there's like apps like VS Code that run super smoothly, it has this um, negative almost thing about it. But in, in terms of a business app, that usually that is rarely the, an issue if, if it's used inside a company. So I thought this is perfect. Like this probably works. Just Pick from node launch launch a .NET process and use the standard input and output streams to have a channel between them. There's very few moving parts here. Uh, it probably is fast and it will probably work. So I decided just to try and um, build it. And like the first thing I did was actually to get those two uh, processes talking to each other, and then I tried to see how many requests I could send from node to .NET and then get a response and then send another request per second. And it was like 20,000. So I thought like there's very little latency here, uh, even with serialization going on. So this, this should work well. And from there, I decided to go forward and implemented all the features that I needed up to a point where I was able to port a Windows Store app to using this and run it in, 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 in Linux. Right. So this is interesting, right? So you were able to port a Windows Store, it's a, it's a card game app called Memory, essentially, yeah. over to Linux. Now, what was the process there? You had to, did you, I'm assuming you had to remove the view layer. So I actually built that app while I was reading um, a Charles Petzl book about programming Windows. Okay. Charles, like if, if uh, he's the author of the, that book called Code, which is a great book as well. Yep. Uh, yep. And um, so I was reading that, and I was um, he, he describes how you should develop using view models, and your view models shouldn't have any UI-specific code. So, like I, that memory ace app was the app that I did to like as a way to learn and become proficient with XAML at the time and, and doing UIs uh, in Unit. So I had that lying around and. All the view models there, they are completely free of um, UI code. They're uh, done as they recommend in the book. So, like I always thought it would be a proof that this was a good idea and it would work if I could just pick those up without any changes and use them as they are using this approach. And that's what, um, ended up, what I ended up doing and, and everything. So are you running this anywhere in production right now? No, actually, this has this was um, just a, an experiment. I know there there are companies that are using this because I get some odd email with questions or sometimes <laughs> <laughs> uh, asking for for features. But um, this is uh, a little bit different than what I'm working on 
usually developing for the web or for the last, I don't know how many years, 10 years, I've uh, developing, I've been developing targeting the web. So I had the so, Yeah, so that begs the question. So what's the day job these days? Um, actually, I just started a new one, but um, the uh, I've been doing um, just um, websites. The last one was uh, e-commerce website. Um, so. Okay, so we're talking traditional web development. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So, have you ever? And this is just me being crazy. Have you ever thought of like charging these companies who are using Electron CGI for some consulting, or I don't know. I don't know if there's enough of them for that to be something that would work and like this has been in this form since yeah when i say this form is like there's two-way communication between the processes there's error handling now that you can do in node if something goes wrong in that net and this has been very recent i finished this uh, maybe a month or so ago i mean you know don't say yourself short it's actually pretty impressive to get native.net code and electron code via node actually communicating both ways to each other. Well, that is cool. But the best thing about using this for me was that when you create the channel, you can say like when you spawn the process, you can spawn .NET run and the project. And the experience or the development experience that you get from this is that you can make a change in .NET and refresh the page in Electron and you see the changes because .NET oh, I see. So it's a really um, like nice development experience. So it's a live reload situation. Exactly, yeah. For free. <laughs> and, For free. Yeah. And uh, you can debug it like a normal, the .NET code, like a normal app. You just put uh, to the process and you put a breakpoint and you can, it's just normal .NET app. And um, so it's it's very the, the development experience is very good, and like that that's the and just creating a new project the, the amount of code you have to do to set this up it's very little you just have to create a connection and then you define the um, what what you want to do for each request type and that's it. That's amazing. I mean, I, I, yeah, we have kind of a wide variety of different types of developers and, and other folks. I don't mean to say it's only developers. I think this episode might appeal more to the developers, but you know, the .NET group has been growing in terms of the communications I'm getting. And I think a lot of that is .NET core, right? The ability. And again, this is rapidly changing. It's going to just be .NET. You know, you're not going to have to call it .NET core mm-hmm. because of .NET now, you know, being even more cross-platform with Linux and Xamarin, you can bring it to mobile. Are you like doing .NET day to day, or was this kind of just a thing to bring, you know, to kind of bridge the gap? I've been doing mostly .NET day to day, and also a little bit of Node. So kind of. Are you, so then, are you doing .NET on on Ubuntu or on any other form of Linux, or are you doing it mostly on uh, IIS? Oh, for my stuff, always on on Linux. But uh, like the the thing that pays the bill is on Linux. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to me. So I I appreciate you coming on. I have two questions I always end with, mm-hmm. and they're both killers. Are you ready? Okay. What should I have asked you that I didn't know to ask you? Let me think about that a little bit. Yeah, that's actually the hard one. Yeah. If, if you could use this in production today. Oh, can you use it in production today? I think so. Yeah. Like the uh, the big proof for me that it could is that I was able to 
pick um, use it to port the working existing app and reuse all the .NET code from that app in every single word that uh, first try. Very good. And you mentioned you had some firms emailing you that they had already been using it. You know, I can't believe I didn't ask you that. But yeah, good good work. You got an easy one. So the next one is really tough. Are you ready? Okay. What's your day-to-day uh, computer setup look like in terms of OS, hardware, your main IDE, whatever? So I'm using um, a 7th gen core i7 uh, 7700K. Nice. With, uh, it's a desktop with a 16 gig of RAM. It's slightly overclocked. And um, a GTX 1080 that I don't use. And rather early game. And um, have two kids and there's no time. And what else? I have uh, an LG 850U monitor, 4K monitor. Nice. And um, I'm, I use Ubuntu 18.04. On, still on 18.04? Even still with on 18.04. Okay. I'm going to wait for the point release. Okay. The yeah, that makes sense. Because 20, 20.04 like, literally just came out. Yeah. As of the recording here. What is it? Like a week ago, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just upped to, to Pop uh, 20.04. And uh, how's it been? It's been pretty stable, but you got to remember Pop releases like a week or two after Ubuntu. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's been pretty stable. Um, and I'm running it on the vendor's machine on a System76. So I don't know how it runs on other machines. I'm, I, I know people who have. I've run it on Dell's. But yeah, I run it because it has the drivers for the graphics cards. So it doesn't matter. I have an X1 Carbon that I've been uh, thinking about installing it on. Um, well, Eric Carbon's a pretty, pretty easy machine to get Linux running on. Yeah, that one. The only issue that I have is with the uh, the trackpad has or the touch uh, pad has physical buttons, and after sleep, ah. that's it. Don't come back. They don't work. But that's the only issue. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And your uh, your development environment of choice is that so you're on Linux? Is that like VS Code or Vim or Yes, uh, yes, code or writing from JPART. You and I are exactly the same. Very good. And this we are brothers, right? <laughs> so, Rui, I thank you for coming on. Please, uh, guys, follow him on Twitter. It's all going to be in the show notes. If you want to try to mix your node and your .NET, mm-hmm. get that chocolate and that peanut butter. Go for it. Try Electron CGI. Thanks. Thank you for coming, man.